Hi, and welcome to NACIO Voices, where we talk all things state IT. I'm Amy Glasscock in Lexington, Kentucky. And I'm Matt Pincus here in Washington, D.C. On today's episode, we'll be joined by Pennsylvania Deputy Secretary for Information Technology and Chief Information Officer John McMillan. John has served in his role since March of 2015, making him one of our current longest-serving state CIOs. Today, we're talking with him about his top priorities in Pennsylvania. John, thanks for joining us on National Voices. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you today. Greetings and salutations, John. Thanks for joining us, my friend. So hard to read a room without a room. I, I know. I know. So thanks for taking the time. We know uh, you are extremely busy. Uh, but before we dive into what you're working on in the Commonwealth, tell us a, first a little bit about your background and how it led to your current position as CIO in Pennsylvania. Sure. Thanks, Matt. So about 34 years of IT industry experience, two countries, five states, uh, just a very diverse background. Uh, appreciate the, the shoulders that I'm standing on, uh, not only for all the people that mentored me, but all of those who came before me in the CIO role. We're simply trying to be as consistent with where we are and where we're going as possible. You mentioned two countries, John. Tell us a little bit about uh, this multinational experience. Yeah. Born in Canada, naturalized citizen, eligible to vote. I think that is apropos <laughs> to when we're recording. Yeah. But started as a application developer for the Department of National Defense in Canada and learned all kinds of great things about COBOL and JCL and then moved on to distributed systems and, and so on and eventually got into data centers and clouds and a diverse range of customers across multiple states in the U.S. Very fortunate to have all the experience that I have. Yeah, and, and so when you um, when you moved from Canada, did you move originally to Pennsylvania? Have is, is that where you've been since you've uh, emigrated? I guess I, I literally landed uh, with two suitcases at LaGuardia on June 30th of 1996. I wow. am living, literally living the American dream. Fantastic. So, all right. Well, as we record this podcast, we are just a couple days from the 2020 election. And so I know state CIOs don't own elections per se in the way that secretaries of state or state election directors do, but we know you are still heavily involved. Can you uh, discuss your role in this election and in the security around the election? Good question. So, in Pennsylvania, the Secretary of State is primarily responsible at the state level for dealing with election management, starting with voter registration and into distribution of poll books to counties, are primarily responsible for election day activities, on-site voting, and this year, something a little different with permanent mail-in voting as an option, we, we see a significant increase, almost a 5x increase in the number of absentee or uh, mail-in ballot requests. And so we're going to be dealing with some some new data. That's some of the things that we're involved in and obviously making sure that election day, election night results come off without a hitch. We have a number of secure solutions in order to report out on that. But as with many states, you know, this year might be a little different in terms of counting ballots on election day. 
and like most other states, we have about 40 plus days to certify results, which is typical with every election that I'm familiar with and that I, I think the law has been in place for many, many years. I, I don't think that any state has ever missed the deadline for certifying results. So, John, let me, let me just ask you, I mean, you know, it's it's really fortuitous that we get to talk to you during this crazy election season, and especially, you know, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania is, is a battleground, if not potentially the battleground state that could decide the outcome of the presidential election. One of the things that, that we've heard a lot about that Amy and the rest of the NASIO team and I have, have talked about is misinformation and disinformation around the election. Can you talk about any sort of efforts that, that you all are taking at Department of Information Technology to combat that? So again, we're connected with our Department of State. Uh, we have very clear you know, protocols for who gets to talk to the press and where press releases come from. And we're highly supportive of what the department is doing. As a run-up, we had a multi-agency security committee looking at all of these potential threats and putting the appropriate mitigations in place, including providing clear documentation in press releases about how the process is going to work, what to expect during the run-up phase, what to expect on election day including voting on-site in, in a socially distant way. And then, of course, everything that will happen after the election and up to, as I mentioned before, the certification of results uh, within the allotted time frame. Got it. So, you know, I think 2020 has certainly highlighted the legacy systems that many of your fellow state CIOs have inherited. I know you have several modernization efforts underway in the Commonwealth. Can you tell us about some of those? Absolutely. And that's a, also a very good question. So uh, before we get into application modernization, I'd like just to talk briefly about the philosophy about modernization in Pennsylvania. And what we're really focused on isn't application modernization, it's data modernization. The idea of systems being legacy, um, to me, occurs the day they go live in production. From that point forward, they become a legacy system, even if we just released a new application in September or early, like yesterday. Mm -hmm. We're always dealing with the debt, the responsibility of dealing with those live systems. They were designed and built for a purpose, and they have the technology and the skills that was available at the time in order to enable them. So when we look at what we're modernizing, we're trying to do that in the context of our digital transformation executive order. I think we've talked about this a couple of times. It's available on our public facing website. It's an executive order that we call Citizens First. And so we're trying to connect our modernization efforts through a framework that we call the digital six. A single sign-on, a common portal or online destination, a standard look and feel that includes better accessibilities for those that are enabled differently, a stronger use of the .gov domain, and then being able to triage calls, and we will eventually be able to get to a single phone number. And all of that supported by feedback from residents and businesses that we support to drive improvement. Some of the key, if you will, business systems that we're looking at, at modernizing include things like our tax systems. We've been on this trajectory for a couple of years, and in December or January, 
we will go live with the third major release of the Pennsylvania Tax Hub. Um, and that will lead us to sort of potentially retire some of our mainframe-based systems that are part of uh, tax processing. Uh, case management for our banking and securities, customer set, unemployment compensation, motor vehicle and driver licenses. That is a, a fascinating modernization effort because it includes things like containerization and several other contemporary technologies. And of course, we're always looking at offender management in Pennsylvania and how to manage that population more effectively and more efficiently. So I think that gives you some insight into what we're doing. Supporting that with things like governance and IT service management and enterprise architecture, a chief data officer, a, a new deputy chief counsel for privacy, mm-hmm. all of this leading towards the mitigation of risk in our, in our portfolio of about 2,000 applications. We have a lot to accomplish. Absolutely. Great That's question. amazing. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for sharing all of that. So I I don't know about you, but I feel like the pandemic is kind of the undercurrent of all of our conversations these days. And we've been dealing with it for about eight months now in the U.S. What is your current role in the Commonwealth's pandemic response? So part of what we are doing in Pennsylvania is trying to use our data in our official systems of record to help with not only suppression of spread, but how do we can open businesses and the what I call the before times mm-hmm. uh, safely and, and quickly? So along the way, we've experienced some new demands. And we have just a fantastic team that has delivered inspired public service to meet those demands. I can give you a sense for what that means just very briefly. You know, we've maintained cyber vigilance because we're working differently or, or remotely. and enabling business areas through the deployment of new equipment and so on. We have to protect our systems and protect our citizens' data. Mm -hmm. We built a a data analytics environment to help feed that data-driven reopening strategy. We built a number of portals to handle things like personal protective equipment, critical medical supplies, manufacturing. We've enabled pandemic unemployment assistance. We've enabled virtual assistance for unemployment compensation callers. On and on it goes. And again, just a fantastic uh, group effort uh, across the board, agencies, IT staff, governor's office. Uh, Recently, we launched our mobile encounter notification app that is Google and Apple Bluetooth proximity enabled. And then we've expanded our contact tracing capabilities And now we are working on business self-certification to inspire confidence in in restaurants and bars and so on. Pretty extensive list, John. So, you know, throughout the pandemic, we've we've really enjoyed asking your fellow colleagues, you know, to prognosticate a little bit about how COVID or how a post-COVID world is going to change your business functions and sort of how IT is is seen. Can you uh, can you give us your assessment on how things may be different in a post-COVID world in, in Pennsylvania? I think one of the key things that we've learned is that government can continue to deliver service regardless of where employees are located. Now, look, that there are some situations where employees have to continue to be on premise. I can give you a couple of examples. Say our state troopers, it, it's hard to deliver law enforcement services 
from your she shed or your man cave <laughs> as an example. Yeah. Um, and of course, we're very grateful to our frontline workers, our law enforcement, and those that continue to make government work. But some of the things that we think will stick is we'll continue to look at our inventory of facilities. And next time leases come up, we will probably ask the question, do we need this space? Other things that will stick are things that we have done to enable remote work as part of the pandemic. I think one of the things I mentioned was this idea of a virtual assistant. And, and we're looking to enable more virtual voice assistant responses to calls, more chatbots, more artificial intelligence as we go forward. But I think the key thing that will stick is this idea that government does work and that the workplace is no longer a place. What was the remote work culture like for your agency prior to March? So look, IT has been part of a remote workforce situation for as long as I can remember. The long weekend changes to uh, implement new systems or upgrades, the up in the middle of the night dealing with a service interruption calls, we weren't getting on the bus and going to work. We're doing most of that remotely. But what has changed is this idea that business services can be done differently. We've seen big shifts in, say, county administration offices delivering social services to customers. We're seeing more video interactions for health services. And so those things are changing along the way. And the, of course, IT's role is to enable those things to happen. Some of our, our biggest employment levels involve things that used to be contemplated to be associated with a singular workplace. And now agencies, boards, and commissions are saying, maybe we have an opportunity to optimize our service and allow digital interactions, virtual interactions, to enable service delivery to residents and businesses in Pennsylvania. That kind of mindset is changing. Yeah, it seems like everyone is kind of catching up to what you guys have been doing for, for quite some time. And look, I, I think that this is a great opportunity for us to contemplate how services are designed and delivered. Uh, it gives us a chance to look at the laws that specify things like wet signatures on certain kinds of documents. And I can give you an example. During the pandemic, car sales temporarily stopped in Pennsylvania because, mm -hmm. and I'm stuck here for a word, it required a wet signature. Like a notary? A, excellent. Thank you for ah. the prompt. Yeah. <laughs> Notaries, yeah. which would be in the dealers or so on, on premise, it required that kind of capability. And so we realized that this was a barrier and the law was changed. And now this idea of signatures, at least in terms of the process for, for sales, has been changed. And all it took is a realization that there was a hurdle, right. and we knocked it down by changing the law. Right. Well, if only state government bureaucracy could be that easy uh, moving forward, that would certainly be a positive outcome. So, John, you've been the CIO in Pennsylvania for five and a half years now. Wow. That makes you one of the longest tenured CIOs in the country, possibly a, a gray beard. What are one or two pieces of advice that you have for new state CIOs? And we certainly have a, a fair amount of them. 
So what I can tell you is I got some great advice through the NACIO community very early on. Leverage the NACIO community. The answer is out there somewhere. Another state, somebody's done it somewhere. Use those resources. Uh, the second piece is a, a former CIO told me that being a CIO is a, essentially about two things, people and money. So establishing a great working relationship with your budget office is a key element to getting the money right. And once you get your money right, you can get your people right. The third thing is you have to be patient and you have to be persistent. There are certain situations that will present themselves to you. And if you force them before everybody is ready, you can fill in the blanks there. Good advice. Well, uh, You've been around NACIO for a while, and you know that we like to educate and entertain, and our podcast is no different. So we're going to pivot a little, and we're going to ask you three non-work-related questions in a segment that we call the lightning round. So are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Have you picked up any new hobbies or personal insights during the pandemic? I think I'd like to focus on personal insights. Sure. I have been so inspired by people that have given of themselves to deliver services to the residents of Pennsylvania. I've seen literally people work hundreds of hours of overtime without the expectation of payment to make sure that our citizens can return to work and can be safe in this environment. I'm just extremely grateful for the team and, you know, there are some opinions that state employees have opportunities to improve. I have seen none of that. I have seen nothing but dedication and nothing but inspired public service. It's amazing. Okay. Uh, second question. Once things are back to normal, whatever that means, what's something that you want to do that you are not doing now? Yeah, I'm not sure that normal is anything different than what we had been doing. Mm-hmm. I think this idea of remote work has been possible, and I would like to see a, a stronger embrace for this idea that the workplace is no longer a place. It's mm-hmm. simply the place that work happens. And if we can do that securely, being able to work where you want, when you want, and how you want is something that I'd like to see continue. Okay. And then what about in your personal life? Like, do you wish you could like browse around Lowe's leisurely or hop on an airplane and go to Hawaii or with something like that? Well, uh, why don't we finish where we started? Two countries. I would like to visit the Rocky Mountains of Western Canada in the near future. Yeah, that sounds great. As soon as the border opens. Yep. Yeah, international travel is definitely high on my list of looking forward to getting back to, for sure. Or just being um, on a plane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, might have, I might have just driven past the airport just to like look at it one day. But anyway, I digress. The good old um, days. Old <laughs> yes. So uh, if you have a, a family member or a friend coming to visit you in Pennsylvania, what's the place that you like to take them? Besides the state capital, one of my favorite places to go is downtown Philadelphia. Mm. There's so much history there. Essentially, the Declaration of Independence, Independence Hall, the Liberty Bell, these are all great things to see in Pennsylvania. And just a reminder of what people did 
based on an idea, an idea of freedom. Yeah. And what well, sacrifices they made. Very inspiring. Yes, not to be missed. And then Matt and I came up with an extra bonus question for you. Uh, we've been to a lot of cities and NASIO conferences with you, and you always seem to be able to find a piano bar in that city and then put a little peer pressure on the rest of us to attend <laughs> said piano bar after meeting. No. So what is your favorite oh. piano bar in the country? Um, so I visited one in San Diego, California at a NASIO event. I forget the name of it, but this idea of shared inspiration based upon music, I think Music is one of those things that draws us together mm -hmm. as a culture. It reminds us of events and times. And these kinds of piano bars where you can sing along, uh, might not be able to carry a tune. I know I need several buckets to carry a tune. <laughs> these are kinds of things that remind us that we are social animals mm -hmm. and that um, a little bit of fun a little bit of letting your hair down goes a long way to reminding us of memories. Yep, absolutely. For, for sure. Those are some good memories right now, especially. Well, John, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. I know you're incredibly busy with the election so close and everything else that's taking up your time on a daily basis. So we really appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks, John. Great to talk to you. Thanks again for listening to NASIO Voices. We'd like to let all of our listeners know that NASIO's annual conference sessions are now available on our YouTube channel and in the NASIO Resource Center on our website. We'll put links in the show notes. We'll also put a link to a session John participated in on the governance of emerging technology if you'd like to hear more about what he's working on. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.